The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Tom three at the Liberty Bowl. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back, finally, for the season wrap-up edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. And uh, Jason Munns decided to join us as well to wrap things up uh, here. Uh, Memphis football uh, finishes off an 8-3 and three, uh, season in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and caps it off with its first bowl win in five years, I believe, beating uh, seven years. I believe seven or six years. Six years. Six years. Six yeah, twenty fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they beat Florida Atlantic in the Montgomery Bowl, uh, and they become and they end up being the only AAC team to win their bowl game this year. Um, so, as we said on the last podcast, a successful season. Um, and a lot has happened since the game happened. Um, and we're going to dig into dig into it all in this podcast. Um, first off, Brady White confirmed that he is uh, he has played his last game as a Memphis Tiger. Uh, he also won a very prestigious award earlier today. Um, then Memphis may have brought in uh, among a few high profile transfers Memphis has gotten since the season ended or at least since our last podcast one of them might just be the heir apparent to Brady White at quarterback so we'll talk about that as well uh and then we'll get into we'll, we'll look back on the season a little bit get into some of our uh you know I guess it's pretty easy to say Brady White was the MVP of this team but there were a lot of other intriguing pieces that emerged out of this season and why it gives you so much hope for what this team could be next year um, so we'll dig into that a little bit, but let's start guys with the quarterbacks. Um, and we'll start with Brady white. As I mentioned a second ago, he, he, he told reporters after the Montgomery bowl that, uh, he is moving on. He's going to try, he's going to pursue an NFL career, even though he, he probably would have been allowed to come back for another year at Memphis, uh, given the exemptions they have because of COVID. Um, and then earlier today, uh, since Brady White is a doctor, uh, or at least going for his doctorate, he was named the winner of the William Campbell Trophy, which is also known as the Academic Heisman. So Devontae Smith from Alabama won the Heisman. Brady White won the Academic Heisman. Um, so I guess, Evan, we'll start there with Brady. Uh I imagine you weren't surprised that he said he's not coming back. Um, but how do you reflect on uh, what the past year has been for him? Uh, you know, cause uh, you know, we, I remember being at the cotton bowl when we thought he might leave then and he decided to come back. Uh, what, what will you remember about this past year uh, and what I guess sort of legacy do you think Brady white leaves behind? Well, I think if you talk about Brady this year, you obviously start with that UCF game because, you know, I think two years ago when he got here, that would have been a game Memphis loses. Even a year ago, maybe, that'd be a game where maybe Brady plays well and maybe they lose. But I think that game really kind of was just the the Brady White experience this season. He came back, 
You saw how much the team needed him, and they won that game on the strength of his arm. And I think, to me, we're going to remember that game just as, you know, not just one of the better wins that Memphis can celebrate, but just, you know, how much this team really needed Brady back this year and how much he delivered. And obviously the records he set, most QB wins, most passing yards, most TDs. Um, I'll just remember that the UCF game is what I'm going to remember the most. Obviously the um, the South Florida game was another comeback, but we know that was kind of a thank God they won that game. Otherwise it would have been really awful. And then obviously the, the Houston game, I think, just obviously because after they won, after Riley Patterson kicks that field goal, he takes the victory lap, thanking everybody. You could tell that he really understood that, hey, this is probably the last time I'm here. What a way to go out. So I think, you know, you give Brady credit for, you know, obviously, you know, he decided to come back. We thought there was a chance he was out. He came back. Memphis had this, you know, really good season amidst the pandemic. And I, I say you give Brady a lot of credit because, you know, he kind of made – he helped make this team, you know – keep on pace with where they were last year because with all the changes, with all the guys opting out, with the defense struggling, he was the one constant. And I think that's kind of what made this team a bit more memorable, if you will, besides the fact that they won this bowl game. Um, yeah, no. And, and I mean, when you think about it, those three games where he led, you know, in some instances, instances kind of miraculous comebacks. Um, I mean, the, the, the UCF game is the biggest comeback in school history. USF, they're down by two touchdowns with four and a half minutes to go. Uh, and then the Houston game, you have 28 seconds to uh, set up a game-winning field goal. Um, very easily, without Brady White, this 8-3 and three season could have very easily been 5-6. and six. And we're talking about it in a lot in a, in a much different light. Um, I think what I'll just remember, you know, like I think last season, especially the last six, seven games of the year, I actually think Brady was better than he was this year, but I'll remember this year, maybe more than anything, because, and I wrote this when we, we named Brady, our sportsman of the year for the commercial appeal, just the fact that he stayed, he stayed after the cotton bowl when he didn't need to, when the coach who brought him here had left for Florida state and Mike Norvell, he stayed when Kenny Gainwell opted out. He stayed when DeMonte Coxie opted out. All the things, you know, basically every weapon around him changed from last year to this year, and he stayed. And and he be, he was a leader, and he was, uh, you know, became the face of the program. And that, to me, uh, that, that's that's the memorable thing to me this year. The fact that that he, um, fact that he stayed. I mean, when you contrast it to how his tenure here started out, where he's in this pretty contentious quarterback battle with David Moore that split the locker room a little bit. And now here he is by the end of his Memphis career, becoming kind of that, that, that adhesive that held everything together during a very uh, topsy turvy season uh, because of the pandemic. I mean, I think that's a, he leaves behind a remarkable legacy. I, you know, I'm not here to get into, is he the greatest quarterback in Memphis football history? He's, there's certainly an argument to be made that he is. I don't know if I'm the person to make it, but um, what he did, there's certainly, there's certainly his his achievements are certainly unmatched in in program history. Yeah, I mean, besides the records, I mean, you know, you can look at just the fact that he's started three bowl games, and he obviously being here helps with. But there's other things too, and I think you mentioned it, like the way he started here, it was so not just contentious with the battle, but just when the season started. 
we talked in 2018 just about, hey, you know, can he win games with his arm? Can he, you know, yeah. be that no, I remember at the end of that Birmingham Bowl, the big questions were, what are you going to do with the defense? And are we sure about Brady White? You know, like after his first season, that was the question. Yeah, his numbers weren't that great, but he also didn't look like, you know, he was the quarterback you could lean on. Like that Houston game two years ago, they basically won just running the ball in the fourth quarter, which was incredible, but also an indictment against him. And now it's like, where would this team be without Brady White? So it is kind of funny to see how his journey has kind of gone from this unknown in 2018 to now being, you know, this Memphis folk hero legend, if you will, for for, for this group of fans. So I think it would be really kind of fun to see how Brady is remembered further down the road. But right now, I think he's been remembered pretty well for what he's done. Especially Mons, what's your, Mons, what's your favorite Brady White? What's the, what the thing, what's the thing that stands out about Brady White the most to you? Um, I mean, you guys have talked a lot about just the on-field stuff, but I thought I, – I just appreciated his candor and his, um, you know, the way he and, – and I think it was more so this year, but he became a really, really, really good interview. Um, and, and I know that's – you know, I don't know how many fans will appreciate that, but he um, just got to the point where you could pretty much bank on him – giving you something really good. Uh, every a lot of perspective as a, as a 29 year old playing quarterback in college. No, I'm just kidding. But he did have, a, he had more perspective than your typical college football player, probably because he'd spent six years in college. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he, he just, he got to the point where, um, like I said, you could pretty much bank on him uh, for, to, to give you something um, really good. Uh, and and juicy to work with uh, pretty much every time out. But um, as as important as 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 um, revered as the quarterback and the coach were, who who sort of were in place when Memphis when the program turned itself around at the turning point. Um, I think I think Brady White and Ryan Silverfield are, you know, like they're as important as the people who got the program to where it is. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Well, he'll, but, for, um, he'll forever be the quarterback who got – who was the quarterback with Memphis. Like let's just be honest. Like it's going to be hard for Memphis to match what it did a year ago, winning the AAC. And like last year's Cotton Bowl run was about as good as it gets for Memphis football and Brady White was the quarterback of that team and frankly his emergence as an as a as an elite quarterback that season i think is what took, got them over the hump and you know into you know over the hump and winning a title and 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 that sort of thing um and and he'll always be he'll always whether you whether you liked Brady as a quarterback or didn't he'll always be the guy who took the tigers to you know, as of right now, probably the the peak of their existence as the football program, and that's that's just right there. If you take out all the stats and the fact that he's the, you know, has all these records, like that right there, uh, you know, makes him a memorable quarterback, a historic quarterback uh, in the history of the program. College yeah, game, I mean, the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, college game day, conference championship, New Year's Six Bowl. Um, first bowl win in X number of years. I mean, th- th- like you said, those are all things you can't take away from 
from Brady White. I'll, and I'll be interested to see what he does next. Like, uh, and I'm not, you know, maybe he's maybe he can stick in the NFL. I have some doubts about that, but but like he's the type of guy. Like, I just want to know what he's gonna do with his life because whether he's a coach, I could see him getting it. You know, I could see. I could see Brady White being an athletic director. I could see him being a businessman. I could see him being, you know, he, he's the type of guy, like, I think he's going to, whatever field he decides to go in, uh, he's going to, he's like a guy who's, it's going to be pretty interesting to see what he does next. Um, so, uh, well, Brady White is on his way out. Um, and again, the academic Heisman winner. Um, and coming in, uh, as of last week, uh, Grant Gunnell. Uh, is going to be uh, is the latest, I guess, favorite to be the next Memphis starting quarterback, much like Brady White. Um, he's transferring here from the University of Arizona. Uh, and because of the expected change in the NCAA transfer rules, uh, he's expected to be eligible right away. Uh, and he'll have three years of eligibility. So in many ways, it's very similar to the situation when Brady White arrived here, you know, Brady White transferred here from Arizona state um, having started some games at Arizona state, just like Grant Gannell has started some games at Arizona. Um, both of, and both guys, you know, had their starting jobs. They didn't necessarily lose the starting job. They just got injured uh, and we're going to have to compete for the starting job. Uh, so uh, Grant Gannell transfers to Memphis and becomes like I said, you know, they've had this we can we can make Memphis's successful decade here or whatever it's been, seven years, eight years, more complicated than it actually is. In reality, they've hit on three quarterbacks in a row in Paxton Lynch, Riley Ferguson, and Brady White. And they hit on two coaches in a row in Fuente and Norvell, and a third just had a really encouraging first season. Um, and so now to me, it seems like if Gunnell is the fourth QB in a row they hit on, this thing's gonna, this train's gonna keep on rolling, and Memphis is gonna be con continue to compete for AAC titles. Um, but uh, Evan, I guess your impressions of Grant Gunnell, uh, and do you think he's the favorite to be uh, the next starting quarterback at Memphis? So I watched a little bit of Arizona last last year and before and before obviously being you know West Coast guy I like watching the Pac-12 um so Grant Gunnell two years ago I believe was splitting time at Arizona as their quarterback with Khalil Tate he looked pretty good obviously they trusted him enough to where he ended this year as a starter and then he got hurt this year but I actually it's funny I had a thought about what I how I felt about his game but then I went back and I looked at his numbers and his numbers are actually you know pretty impressive he threw for three touchdowns in his first two games before he got hurt against UCLA, and then he came back in, in a game where Arizona got blasted 70-7. to But, again, that, that game was a debacle for Arizona in a lot of ways. But, um, obviously, you're somebody who has starting experience. It's different to me than Brady because Brady, when he got hurt in 2016 Arizona State, I believe he only had maybe like two or three starts or one or two starts on his, on his watch. So, Gunnell has game experience that Peter Parrish, Keelan Brown, outside from one snap, Drake Day doesn't have. So, I think – it's pretty clear that, you know, if this transfer exception goes through as we expect, Gunnell is entering as, a, as the favorite. And also I think what it says too is that it seems as if the Peter Parrish situation gets interesting because clearly before this happened, we thought 
Parrish might have been the guy who was going to, you know, maybe, you know, be the favorite. And now with Gunnell in it, maybe it says that, okay, either they want to create some competition or, you know, maybe they want to take a look at somebody else to maybe push Parrish a little bit more. So we'll see how that goes. If they felt confident Parrish was the guy, they don't do they don't make this move, I don't think. Because I don't think Gunnell Gunnell's not coming here to be the backup. Like Gunnell is coming here, you know, he's this is a guy who started games in the Pac-12, probably had several options, and he chose Memphis because of the reputation Memphis has developed offensively over the years, I suspect. Um, and you know, he's different than Brady, six foot six. Um, he's more of a, you know, he's a he's He's a pocket passer type of guy, but he's much bigger uh, than Brady White. He's more like um, Paxton Lynch dimensions. Um, although Paxton, yeah. it sounds like, was more mobile than Grant Gannell. Yeah, I've, um, I've, I've, I've been told Gannell is not the most mobile of, uh, of quarterbacks. Yeah, but um, it feels like it's going to be a lot like when Brady White was competing with uh, David Moore uh, in that it's going to be – tie goes to Gunnell. Like someone's going to have to beat him out. Just like someone was going to have to beat out Brady white that first off season. Um, because you're, you just don't bring a guy like this in. Like the expectation is not for him to be the backup, even though when I'm sure when Ryan Silverfield's asked about it, he's going to say, there's going to be a competition. And I, and I believe him. I think there, there has to be a competition of some kind this spring and this off season. I just think one of these other quarterbacks, whether it's Peter Parrish or Keelan Brown or someone else, like they are going to have to play uh, noticeably better than Grant Gannell to win this job is, is my expectation going into this off season. Uh, Munz, what did you think about the Grant Gannell move? I, I thought it was taken together with, you know, they also, they grab, uh, I believe his name's Julian Barnett. Is that right, Evan? Yes. From a cornerback from Michigan state as well as uh, Demonte Devontae Dobbs, who was an O-lineman. Devontae Dobbs, an O-lineman, both two Michigan State transfers, two guys who were four-star, you know, pretty high, high recruits, guys who would have been the best recruits Memphis would have gotten in the 2019 recruiting class, um, who were also transferring here from Michigan State uh, with three years of eligibility left. Or I believe one of them, Demonte, uh, Devonte has forty, all four years of eligibility left because of redshirt rules. Um, so, seemed like a really productive week uh, for Ryan Silver. Oh, we should add on that Sean Dykes, tight end Sean Dykes, announced that he's coming back for an extra year of eligibility. Jacoby Francis, starting cornerback, announced he's coming back for an extra year of eligibility. Um, who else am I missing here? Thomas Pickens, linebacker, Thomas starting linebacker. Starting linebackers coming back. So now all of a sudden, I mean, honestly, the only big piece this team is losing, it feels like, is Brady White. And if Gunnell is a guy who can step in and, you know, maybe he's not Brady White. If, if Gunnell can step in and be pretty good, like this team's set up to have a really nice season next year. What did you think of the the roster moves, Jason, that have happened over the last week or two? Well, I think to me, it was pretty clear to me where just a couple of months ago, we were all kind of, or some of us might have been thinking uh, next year might, you know, 
next year might be a little touch and go, uh, so to speak. It, this, to me, everything that's happened in the last few weeks signals is a very clear signal that Memphis has zero interest in quote unquote rebuilding or, um, you know, like uh, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, this is the definition of reloading. <laughs> yes, absolutely zero interest in rebuilding and and uh, fully intent on um, keeping this momentum going, capitalizing on another successful season. Like they're not interested in taking a year off uh, to you know to try and be to try and you know have this huge comeback two years from now. This this is a clear signal, um, at least to me, that they are that they are hell bent on uh on on you know staying a uh, you know a force in 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 the, in the american conference now i will say now you look at the defense it looks like the defense is returning like i said almost every meaningful player except like o'brien goodson who said he's gonna go for the nfl uh and joseph i don't know have we heard about jojo dorseus yet no JoJo, no TJ Carter yet. No TJ. Yeah, we haven't heard about those guys yet. But um, and then offensively, you look at it. Every meaningful weapon the re- that was around Brady White is coming back. Um, but I still think the success of next season hinges on hinges on hinges on the quarterback position. Like if Grant Gannell is just average, his team's going to have have trouble winning, you know, competing for an AAC title. If he's good, I think they're good enough to you know, compete with anyone in the league. Um, so there's just, there's going to – this whole offseason, you know, just like there was three years ago, there's going to be a spotlight on the quarterback position um, to see if it's Gunnell who emerges or if it's someone else who emerges. And then how do they, how do they adjust uh, once the season begins? Because I do think there's – you know, just like with any new starting quarterback, uh, next season's going to be about how – how steep the learning curve is for whoever wins that starting job. Sorry, Evan, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, just, it's just like what Brady came to think about the team Brady came back to. I mean, granted they lost Riley Ferguson, they lost Anthony Miller, but they returned Daryl Henderson. They had an O-line that was mostly back. They had some guys on defense and that team still kind of his first team. He had, Three, if you can consider Kenny Gainwell an NFL running back, he had three NFL running backs on his roster in his backfield that first. I, I mean, you can. Or I mean, if you count Patrick you, Taylor. I mean, if you want to be fair and say Antonio Gibson, who didn't play that much, or Gainwell, who showed flashes. I'm not even talking about Antonio Gibson. Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Kenny oh. Gainwell, Patrick Taylor. Oh yeah, and by the way, Antonio Gibson was on the roster too. <laughs> yeah, I had funny. I saw a message board mention how many guys from that team are now pros, and I'm like, well, you got a point. But we saw how they kind of struggled because Brady struggled. So it yeah, is going to no, be. It's exactly right. right. Like that, right. that it's went as Brady went. It was uneven, and they got you know they got better as the year went on. Partly because the schedule got easier, but also because Brady got more comfortable. Uh, and that's I. I you know, it'll be interesting to see next year. Next year, you look at the schedule, your non-conference schedule. You have a you have a game against Mississippi State uh, and a game at Arkansas State. Um, but you know, otherwise, and then the conference schedule is pretty tough. Uh, 
uh, next year. But, you know, if Grant Ganell or someone else makes a relatively seamless transition, the pieces are in place for this program to keep on rolling. All right, we'll wrap it up with this, guys. Um, so I presume my, my MVP pick for the season is Brady White. Would you guys concur? I agree. Or, Jason, do you have some other off-the-wall? Is someone else your MVP? Am I- Adam Williams, punter. He's another yeah. worthy candidate. Well, Riley listen. Patterson, kicker. Yes. As much as I would like to uh, give Manuel the – Manuel Arona Lopez, the yeah. center. No, no Brady White is the Brady White is the MVP of this team. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll considering that, who is the guy from this season who's coming back who you are most excited about their development? Who is the most encouraging development of the season for you? Uh, we'll start with Jason. Before we start, is this is this on the radar or under the radar? Like. It can be whatever the radar you want. It can be off the radar. It can be obvious. Who are you most excited? What a development were you most excited about player-wise? And then even if you want to add on narrative storyline-wise. Well, I mean, to me, the obvious my the obvious answer for me is Taj Washington, but I feel like that's too easy. I feel like that's yeah, – It's not that easy. I think it's a fair answer. I think it's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, like- then – I'll go. Uh, then I'll go with him. Like he is, he is the most promising player on the team uh, coming back. I think. Um, and and I'm I'm also kind of not looking at this for. I'm not. I'm I'm sort of discounting the older the elder statesman. Like I don't want to pick. I don't necessarily want to pick a senior um, because that would be. I feel like that would be too easy as well. But. Um, no, what Taj Washington this season uh, I thought was extremely impressive. Um, and, and again, I feel like he has the most promise. It, it seemed like every time you watched a game, he was everywhere, whether it was on offense or special teams, he was doing something to help the team win. And I mean, I could run down his stats, but I feel like that's, you know, that's not even necessary to, to, to strengthen my argument. I mean, we know the touchdowns he scored and the, the catches he had, but, um, but I, I thought he was, he was probably the best receiver on the team this year. Is that going too far? Calvin Austin. Well, Calvin okay. Austin. Uh, yeah. I, I misspoke. Uh, yeah, I think I, there's I, an argument to be made. Calvin Austin is in this discussion as the, you know, I mean, in terms of the breakout years, nobody had a bigger breakout year than Calvin Austin. Yeah. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's the, that to me is the obvious pick. Um, so oh, I, I, I say it's obvious, but like, you know, I think Calvin Austin emerges as a guy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing on Sundays as like a slot. No, yeah. No, 100%. Uh, I mean, that's, that's why I say that that feels like um, the most obvious answer, which is why I went with Taj Washington. All right, Evan, what about you? Um, I will go with – yeah, because Taj and Calvin will probably be my first thoughts. But I'll go deep inside. side. I'll take Quindell Johnson. Um, I thought Quindell had a really, really good season. Um, you, you look up, I think, at the end of the year, he had that three-game streak with at least one interception. Um, he was a team's leading tackler. But just also, you know, he was making plays left and right. Like, you look up, he was making something happen, you know. Um, Even I, as a reserve as a freshman, that guy – 
the he flashed always from the I remember yeah. the old Miss game a year ago. Like right. every time he was on the field, he's been on the field. He flashes, and then this year the flashes got m- much more consistent as the year went on. Yeah, exactly. Like I thought, yeah, he built on that season. He built on that performance and what he did last year. And I thought he really kind of showed that he could be that guy who could, you know, hey, you need to play on defense and secondary. Here you go. And I think I'm really curious to see kind of what he does next season. Yeah. Um, I also kind of like Morris Joseph too. I thought and that's know, who I was going to name Morris Joseph. Yeah, if, if you want to take that away, but I love yeah. watching him at the end of the year. He just, you know, took Listen, over. Morris Joseph had sacks in six of the final eight games this year. And the one game, what the and and he didn't have a sack in the bowl game, but he had ten tackles uh, in that game. Season high ten tackles. He he was a he's a junior who went to JUCO as a freshman, and I mean, frankly, he's the best pass rusher Memphis has had since Jannard Avery. Um, that's what he emerged as this year, um, and. One of the big issues with this Memphis defense consistently over the years is they struggle to generate a consistent pass rush, and you're going to have Morris Joseph coming back on that line, anchoring that line. Uh, if he if he can do what he did the last eight games uh, for an entire season next year, he's going to go down as one of the most prolific defensive linemen in school history. I mean, seriously. Um, that's both the reflection on – you know, the recent defensive line play here at Memphis, but also a reflection on how Morris Joseph emerged this year. And that defense in general, I think there's going to be a lot expected of the defense next year because of how they played the latter half of the year and because of how much they have coming back. Um, So all in all, season really ended on a high note for Memphis football. Uh, Like, I, I don't know if you could, you know, I guess you could have asked for more in the sense you'd, you'd want him to be in the championship game again, going against Cincinnati. But other than that, given the circumstances, uh, this season worked out pretty well for Memphis and the off season appears to be off to a, a great, great start uh, from a roster management standpoint. All right. Well, we will have tons of Memphis football coverage throughout the off season. We'll probably come back here on this podcast periodically to keep you up to date. I'm not sure if it'll be weekly like during the season, but um, make sure you're checking out the commercial appeal because a lot, lot of stuff going on. Spring practice will be here before you know it. And hopefully uh, when we do this podcast next fall, uh, we'll be talking about games in which the stadiums are full and there's no testing nonsense. Like it'll, things will be more normal. Um, but we'll see about that. Um, but thanks so much for joining us throughout the season. Uh, and like I said, we'll be back, uh, sometime soon. Uh, till then I was Mark. I was joined by Evan and Jason. Thank you so much and, uh, have fun this off season. Be safe. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.